hello. Welcome to the podcast. This is Soulful Tonic, and I am Kelsey Malia Brasic. I am so excited to be creating this podcast and doing my very first podcast episode ever. It's very strange <laughs> to be sitting in front of a microphone. It feels so official. But nonetheless, here we are, and I am very excited that you are here as well. So I'm sitting here with my cup of tea because I would be remiss if I did not begin my very first podcast episode with a warm cup of tea. (laughs) I'm drinking chamomile, and it's funny because I'm running incredibly low on my chamomile tea, and my chamomile dealer is, I don't know, they're out of stock, so... I'm being very stingy with this tea and I'm using it in very small doses and supplementing it with other herbs. But if I can be honest, chamomile is where it's at for me. It's all about calming the nervous system. And this tea does a fantastic job of that. Anyways, I should probably introduce myself before I just keep talking about tea. So like I said before, I'm Kelsey Malia Brasek and I'm a holistic therapist. I'm a Reiki master. I teach yoga. I'm a sound healer. I do canine massage. I have my hand in quite a few buckets. Is that the word? Pies? Fingers and pies? I'm all over the place, to be quite honest with you, but I would not have it any other way. I'm, I was not always like this, this jack of all trades in the healing space, and it's kind of come to me and crossed my path in a way that I just couldn't ignore. So... Here we are, I'm doing all the things, and now I can add podcast host to my repertoire. So Soulful Tonic, it's going to be a little bit like me in the sense that I'm covering a couple different things, but they're all in the vein of holistic healing. So sometimes I'll be sharing my own stories. I mean, all of this will be coming from my own experience, but it'll be a blend of my own stories, my past, my history, uh, things I learned in school, things I learned in the field, things I learned in experience. Then we'll cover self-care tips, somatic practices, grounding exercises, meditations, relationships and connections. And a big one for me has been nervous system regulation. So I'm really excited to share kind of all those different things with everyone here. And I thought for today's episode, we would kind of just start by me introducing myself so you know who the heck I am and why I am hosting this podcast. It's funny, looking back in my childhood, I think it was good, but I blacked out so many memories, as so many people do when they're highly anxious or sensitive and things feel difficult, but I had no idea that I blacked so much out. Until, you know, going back and trying to put the pieces of my childhood together. I think a really interesting and key component to my childhood was my dad always used to record us on the, in that big camcorder, you know, that you put on your shoulder. Like everything we did as a family, we have documentation of, which is wild. We lived in, I feel like I lived in that sliver of time where the technology of camcorders were relatively new, right? I mean, obviously they existed, but he had enough tape, I guess, to record everything we did. 
but also before the time now of smartphones. So the example I'm thinking of is, you know, now if a little kid has their first steps, a baby has their first steps, the parent might record 10 seconds of that. And it's like the perfect highlight reel. Okay, my baby just take their first or just took their first steps. Whereas my childhood with the big ass camcorder that has seemingly endless tape on it, or at least in my house it did, it would be, yeah, I took my first steps, but here's the, you know, time leading up to this. Here's the hour after. And there's just so much fluff, but it was a very unique experience in the sense that I got to see a lot of behind the scenes of what life looked like when I wasn't performing for the camera, so to speak, or not as aware of the camera. Now, the time did come where I knew I was being recorded and started to kind of play to the camera. But in the early days, you know, as a baby, as a toddler, I was just being authentically me and I got to hear the behind the scenes conversations that my parents would have with each other on the tape. Because this was before, I mean, really the internet was taken off, right? So they weren't concerned about it being posted, I guess. So just a lot of mundane moments, but it really helped me get a good idea of what my childhood looked like. And I think the craziest thing is, is that I don't really have many firsthand memories of my childhood. So much of my childhood is told back to me through these family videos. I mean, I have hours and hours and hours of footage, <laughs> which I don't think my parents anticipated the way that I would become a therapist and analyze all of the interactions between me and my sister and caregivers. And, you know, they did not sign up for these tapes to be analyzed. But here we are. And it has really helped me understand a good amount of my childhood. I wonder how I got to be a therapist. So I had a good childhood, like I was saying, until my parents got divorced and I was 12 and that was a really tough age. I mean, that was the age I got my braces and my period and friends at school were bullying and I was probably being a bully and just that harsh girl time. And then my parents got divorced. Like I was toast. I didn't stand a chance <laughs> in my self-esteem, to be quite honest with you. So that is what led me down. I think the difficult path that led me to become the therapist and healer that I am today. So no regrets, super grateful for it, but it is pretty cringy to look back on. And this is a bit of personal information, but it is relevant to my journey, incredibly relevant, I think, is I lost my virginity at 14 to my then boyfriend. And crazy enough, the person I lost my virginity to was the same person I had my first kiss with. I think I got, like so many of us do, craving, you know, in a space of craving that validation. And I craved it from boys at the time. So when I learned a boy was interested in me, I was like, oh, yeah, hell yeah have it all. Like, I'm so excited, you know, for this interest. And I think also it was a, an act of rebellion, which I'm sure many of you can relate to at that high school age. I mean, I grew up in the church and I mean, I wasn't particularly active in it in the later years of my youth, but still raised on the values of the church. And this guy had long hair and you know, wore it in a cool ponytail and a leather jacket and listened to Van Halen. 
Uh, he was my age. I feel like I just described him as like a 40-year-old man, but, you know, he was my age. So all legal, they're all good there. But that was a an incredibly, incredibly toxic relationship. And I think that set the precedent of what I would accept in my life. It kind of reminds me of the four agreements when it says, the author says that it will always accept just what we deserve so but not anything less or more so if we're used to verbal abuse for example we definitely won't take physical abuse from a person that would be pushing it too far but you know verbal abuse is in our wheelhouse so that's okay or that's what we're what we're used to so that's what we kind of grew up thinking we we deserve and this was more emotional abuse than than anything and I just didn't have the self-esteem or the confidence or really the knowing to stand up for myself. I thought that I was being this badass high schooler, this very cool, sexually active high schooler that just knew so much about sex and the body and boys. And I didn't know anything. But of course, you couldn't tell me that at 14. I mean, who can tell a high schooler they don't know anything about the world? (laughs) They will think you are so annoying. So high school was a rough time for me. It was just, it was very boy focused. And I didn't, this feeling that I'm going to describe will grow and continue to become even more intense. But at this time, it was definitely starting off was that feeling of just being an empty shell inside and just eating like garbage, treating myself like garbage, being a garbage person you know I I know that sounds really harsh I just and I I love that version of myself now looking back but I was not present I was not home it's funny though because even in that time where I felt empty and self-destructive I remember telling my mom I want to be a sex therapist (laughs) and she did not love the idea. Definitely thought I was saying that for attention-seeking, um, attention-seeking purposes. And I don't know. I just knew it deep down that I wanted to be a therapist. I think because I was recognizing the hard time I was having. And I knew that sex was a taboo topic in so many ways in my family and in society and definitely in high school, right? Like people don't want to think about high schoolers having sex, even though so many of them are. So I just knew that I wanted to make a difference and talk about these taboo topics with people and help people through these times in their life. So I knew I wanted to be a sex therapist. Flashing forward to today, I don't specialize in sex therapy, but of course sex comes up. Sex comes up with all of my clients because it is so relevant to self and relationships and such a major part of the healing journey for so many people is healing their relationship with sex. And that's rooted in many different things, but it's certainly relevant. So I like to say that's a nod to the 14-year-old in me <laughs> that I that I got here, even though there was many twists and turns in between then and now. So after high school, I went to community college for, I don't know, maybe a semester or something, and I just decided, this is stupid. I don't want to get a BS degree that I don't even know what I want. I don't like this agenda being pushed on me. I think it's a dumb system. So I said, I need to get the heck out of Illinois. Like, what is even here for me? 
So a friend of mine told me about this website called Coolworks. I don't even know if it still exists. I should probably look just for nostalgia's sake, but it was this website where you can essentially browse by season or state, I believe, and just find some job <laughs> in a different state that was hiring seasonal employees. And it was fall at the time. And I remember searching what winter jobs can I get that are as far away from Illinois as possible. And I applied to, I think, a few different things. But the one that called me back first was a ski resort in Park City, Utah. And they hired me. And that's all I needed. Literally, I accepted the first offer. It, I think it worked. It was at the child care center at a ski resort. And a couple months later, my bags were packed and I was headed over on the plane there. And it's wild to think about. I think I was, I had just turned 19 at that time. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, where my life was going. All I knew was I needed to get away. And again, hindsight is 2020 because at the time I thought I was taking my life into my own hands and being this cool, adventurous chick. But definitely I was just running away, <laughs> running away from my problems and using whatever numbing tactics I could find to not, you know, not feel the pain that I experienced. But it's okay. It's all good. It, again, let me, led me to where I'm at today. And I, it's very exciting. It's funny to look back at this journey. Such a weird out-of-body experience. So my time in Utah was probably the darkest point in my life. And this is where I just became full-blown empty. Any... Any soul that was left in me was definitely now levitating outside of my body. I drank in extreme excess, blacking out multiple times a week, lots of drugs, way more sex than I care to admit, and just partying, just living every day for today. And that's not a bad thing per se, right? I mean, we should have fun. We should live for today. But I was doing it in an incredibly self-destructive way. And I just, I wasn't, again, like I said before, I wasn't home. Like nobody was in there. I don't have real strong memories of that time. All I know is it was just constantly numbing pain. And I lived there for a few years. And then I followed a boyfriend to Dallas area in Texas. And that is where my healing journey actually began. Not long after I got to Texas, I remember doing some blood work, just like routine, routine blood work, I think. I don't know. I was always a hypochondriac, so I was always wondering what was wrong with me. Like, surely the doctors will find something if they never did. So I got so used to normal results, like nothing's wrong with me. And I remember when I got to Texas, I got a call from, I don't know, the nurse practitioner or whoever was at the doctor's office. And they said oh we got your results and by the way it looks like you have PCOS and Hashimoto's and that was the first time I had heard either of those words either of those diagnoses and the way that they told me was so just casual like the the flick of a wrist just oh you have these two things and I remember being like what like what what are those things and they were like oh it's not a big deal just like take medications and you'll be fine. It's very common. Don't even worry about it. Very common for girls. 
and hung up the phone without any further explanation. I remember feeling so shell-shocked. And looking back, I think that the thing that was the most shocking to me was the fact that I had always identified as being a like a healthy person. Like I always feared being sick, but I'd never had a quote diagnosis, right? Like that it, that was not part of my identity. That was so shocking to me to just be slapped with these two labels. Hey, you're healthy. And then the next day, hey, actually you have Hashimoto's and PCOS. So take some meds and have a good life. And it really startled me. <laughs> so at that time, being the researcher that I am, I began to deep dive on the internet. Like what the heck are these things? And for those of you who don't know, Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease on the thyroid. So your body mistake, like like all autoimmune diseases, the body mistakes the thyroid for an enemy, essentially. So when my immune system would get too activated or I ate the wrong thing, my body would attack my thyroid, which causes fatigue, energy fog, um, sleepiness. I mean, just all the, why am I drawing a blank on all the thyroid symptoms? But basically it was no good. Dry, you know, always cold, dry skin, the whole, the whole thing. It, it wasn't great. And I did always have those symptoms, but I never had the name for it. So, and I think that the label autoimmune disease is very scary too, because it's just like, all right, well, you're sick. So this is your life now. And there's not, quote unquote, a cure for autoimmune diseases. So I was I was feeling really helpless. And and PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, is a condition that some women get that it, it can show up in multiple ways. Mine was polycystic ovaries and elevated androgens, which I now know is because of my high cortisol levels because of the life that I lived. But at the time, I was terrified that I was going to be infertile and get diabetes and, you know, all these really scary things that I had never thought about before. I thought I was this invincible, how old was I, 21, 22-year-old? And this rocked my world. So I went down a rabbit hole on the internet and I started learning all about holistic alternatives to these medications because medications just never personally vibed with me. They work really well for some people. I just didn't have anybody in my family that was on medications as a kid, so it was never normalized for me. And I wanted to find an alternative that felt better for me in my situation. So, so the thing that kept coming up on the internet was go gluten-free. Gluten is very similar to the thyroid gland and and its chemical makeup. And oftentimes when we eat gluten, the body can mistake it for the thyroid when you have Hashimoto's and attack itself. Very early, I learned to be gluten-free and that was surprisingly pivotal (laughs) in my health. I mean, I dropped 20 pounds. I mean, granted, that's because I had to stop drinking beer (laughs) because of the gluten. So that was probably just a lot of beer weight to be quite honest with you. But I mean, I lost that in like a few months. Like it was quick when I stopped eating gluten. But I was still working at a bar. I was bartending, serving, doing that whole thing. So still a a not conducive lifestyle to being this holistic, healthy gal. Um, But 
I did what I could to watch what I ate a little bit more. I was a little bit more conscious, but I was still heavily drinking gluten-free alcohol and doing the drugs and doing the whole lifestyle. So I did move the needle a little bit, but not much at that point. But it did open my eyes, which was really great. After a year or so of being in Texas, I want to say, my then boyfriend and I broke up and I found myself in this random state with this random replaceable job at a bar with no family ties there and just kind of wondering what the heck I was doing in this state anymore. I started to get homesick and just decided to come back home to the Chicago area. So not long after I came back to Chicago, I felt this really strong pull to joining yoga teacher training, which is very funny because I was not a yogi. I had virtually no yoga experience, no personal practice of my own, but I just felt incredibly called to it. This voice kept saying, you have to just do this thing, invest this money, (laughs) which was a ton of money for me at the time, working for minimum wage. And I just knew I had to do this yoga teacher training program. Doing the yoga teacher training program fully immersed me for 200 hours in this whole world I did not even know existed. And that's really where things started to make some major shifts. And I think most of the people in my training had the intention of teaching yoga pretty regularly, as most people do, right? But I do teach yoga now and I love it, but not very often at all. Because I think for me, it was always about my personal practice and the personal transformation that I just had that knowing that would come to me if I joined this training. And I am so, so happy that I did because I met wonderful people. I transformed my body, my physical body. I felt stronger, more empowered. I stopped drinking alcohol, stopped eating foods that were not serving my body because I did not want to feel bloated or like sick in these inversions in yoga or adjusting others in their yoga positions. And I just, it didn't feel very aligned to be like eating a greasy piece of pizza and then rolling out the yoga mat and like telling, preaching this healthy lifestyle. So I did make some changes, but again, there's always room for improvement, but I have to show myself grace because that was a very, very hard thing to do. Now, right after yoga teacher training ended, like the same month is when I met my husband, my now husband and then boyfriend, now husband, I should say. And that opened up a whole other healing opportunity for me. (laughs) And I will say to you right now, if you want to be constantly triggered of your childhood wounds and really allow yourself the fast track to growth get married, get married at 25 and and stay married for a while <laughs> because it is no joke. I love my husband so much, but we always joke. And well, I mean, not really joke. We re- we say to each other sometimes, you know, we, we have this tendency to flee. And if we didn't have this legal binding contract <laughs> that is marriage, we would have left a million times. So there is something to be said about that for marriage. I mean, a marriage is an old construct. I get it. I mean, really, a lot of it is probably for the government, but but it is also so beautiful and it has forced me to look in the mirror 
because he is my mirror, time and time again, I'm being triggered and challenged and, and having opportunities to grow and evolve. So I'm, I'm really, really grateful for, for our relationship. But we got married a year after knowing each other and it was, it was rushed for sure. But I think the hardest thing is that neither one of us were probably emotionally ready to be married. Like we didn't know what it entailed and we had no idea how hard it was going to be, or at least I didn't. I had no idea how hard it was going to be. I'm like, oh, I've been with boyfriends forever. Now we get to share a last name, you know, or share the tax break. And I really didn't think much would change, but it accelerated my journey in a way that I never could have predicted. And my therapist always says that the purpose of marriage is to trigger childhood wounds. And while that's not a very romanticized idea of marriage, I really have to agree. And I see that with my therapy clients all the time. There's just so much triggering of childhood wounds because we tend to, unless we're incredibly self-aware and have done the work, a lot of us fall into these subconscious patterns where we marry somebody who's like our dad or who's like our mom or somebody who can help us recreate these unresolved childhood wounds and experiences that we had when we were younger. And I can definitely say that I did that <laughs> and it has been a ride, but I'm so grateful for it because it's helped me heal myself in many ways and get different perspectives on my dynamics with my parents and learning about my husband's childhood and the similar things that we've been through, even though they've looked completely different, the similar themes and dynamics, it's it's really, really cool. So a couple of years into being married, COVID happened. And at the time I was cleaning houses because I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And I liked the idea of owning my own business and setting my own hours and all of that. So I was cleaning people's houses and dog walking. <laughs> and while I did not have a passion for cleaning people's houses, I did love talking to the people. And I think the coolest thing that it offered was the opportunity to listen to my podcasts and audiobooks like literally all day. My entire workday, I had something playing in my ear. And it's here where I stumbled upon two audiobooks that just woke me the heck up and made me change my path. So those two books are Life Will Be the Death of Me by Chelsea Handler. I love that book so much. If you haven't read it, I definitely recommend it. I think what I love about it so much is I really resonate with her because she's funny and sarcastic and a little guarded and sassy. But so, you know, and those tend to be defense mechanisms in many ways. And this book is so raw. It's about the, the loss of her brother and her journey through therapy. And I just found myself sobbing listening to this like, oh my gosh, she had that many layers to her onion. Like what what do I have going on? I, I see myself in this story so much. And then if that wasn't enough, the next book I listened to was Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb, who is a licensed therapist. And it was her experience of, again, going to therapy and what it was like to have therapy clients and just her, her whole experience with her journey. 
And I, again, resonated with it so much. I was like, I remember, I remember exactly where I was. I was cleaning this counter or the sink. And I just had this realization that like, what the hell are you doing, Kelsey? You're supposed to be a therapist. You are supposed to be a therapist. You're supposed to be a healer. You're supposed to hold space for others. And it, it, it really resonated. So I went home and I talked to my husband about it. And I said, hey, I want to go back to school. And I've put off school for a really long time because I hate it. And I have to do it. My path requires a master's degree. So are you down? Are you able to hold down the fort while your wife is in school full time? And but he's amazing and supportive and we totally made it work. So, so grateful for that. So yeah, I was in school a, a few years and when I graduated, <laughs> I was so burnt out on people and therapy that I started wondering, I started doubting myself. Like, am I really supposed to do this? This is incredibly energetically exhausting. I was coming home so, so tired every day and just feeling drained and like blah. So that first summer after school, I <laughs> took a break from my path, my my degree, and I pursued canine massage, which sounds incredibly wacky and off the wall like why am I pursuing canine massage if I'm a therapist but right at that time during that summer my one of my dogs tore both of her CCLs if you know you know it is one of the worst experiences in the world and I spent multiple times a week taking her to PT and rehabbing her knee and I just intuitively started kind of massaging her and yeah, it was right around that same time I did my first Reiki training too. So started doing Reiki on her and just getting more involved in her energy. And that really felt right to me as well, working with pets and using my hands and kind of utilizing the Reiki in a little bit different of a way than people tend to because it was with animals. So I did that for a while. I did over 200 hours <laughs> of canine massage training I got my fix for my fix of dogs and cats and animals and love that so much I did open up a canine massage and Reiki business which I still do have today because I have to have my finger in all the pies I, I'm not a fan of that saying but I cannot think of the right way to say that but you know what I'm trying to say <laughs> so after a while of doing that I was like okay I think I'm ready to be a therapist now. I think I'm ready to get back in the saddle and work with people. So I started working at two private practices and seeing clients and I got to incorporate Reiki and somatic movement and practices and some yoga therapy into my sessions. And that's where I've been at since then, uh, since that started. So I'm, I'm currently a practicing therapist and I've become, since my first Reiki training, a Reiki master, and I've done the sound healing, and I kind of use all those modalities to help people on their healing journey. And it's kind of like throwing the kitchen sink at it, but in an intuitive way, <laughs> I guess you can say. I feel like I have a lot of these tools in my back pocket, so when someone tells me what they're going through, what their experience is, I have this gigantic catalog where I can pull it out and be like, all right, well, 
what are we feeling today? Are we feeling talking about it? Are we feeling dancing? Are we feeling yoga? Do you want some sound bowls or rattles? It's 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 kind of all the things. And it is such a blessing to be in this field and to be able to hold space for these for these people. And as you can imagine, being a therapist is similar to being married, whereas, or in the sense that it's triggering. I mean, talk about the universe putting the things in my path that I need to see because so many of my clients remind me of my own stories and my own experiences. And I just feel such a strong connection to them because I see them and I I know what it's like. And I think if I hadn't taken this winding road to get to where I'm at today, well, I definitely wouldn't have as much life experience as somebody who began right after high school. Um, But I wouldn't have experienced the same pain that I did. And I wouldn't be able to recognize people's pain the same or kind of know the different flavors of healing that there are, the different ways that we can show up for ourselves and the tools we can use. And I've had a mentor, had a coach, I have a therapist. I feel like I've done so many of these things and gained so many tools along the way. And I will forever be grateful for that. And now I'm I'm get to pass them on to to my clients and, you know, in addition to using them myself. So it's a really, really beautiful journey. And yeah, it, it it's it's a truly wonderful experience. So that kind of brings me to where I'm at today with the podcast, because while I do have remote therapy sessions that I offer, I would say most of my clients are are remote, which is wonderful because time and space does not have to be of concern. Um, I would still like to reach more people. And I just, I feel like I'm bursting at the seams with tools that I want to share and things that have helped me and things that I've noticed in clients and just out in the world. And to be honest, in my home, right? I mean, there's a lot going on here too. So that's where we're at. And I'm so excited that you are listening to this podcast today. And I know it sounds so cliche, but if this podcast can just touch one person, I will feel fulfilled because we never know who we might reach and who we might touch and what they might do and what they might go out into the world to do and who they might help. So it's this wonderful domino effect. And I'm just sitting in front of this microphone to push the dominoes. And I'd eventually like to get guests on my podcast and share more stories. I mean, this was just a a brief snippet of the journey that got me here today. And of course, there's much more I can share. But that's where we're at. And I would love to hear from people that have listened to this podcast, what you resonated with, what you feel called to, what you want to hear more of, what might help you, Um, like any tips or any themes in your life or reoccurring situations. And I would love to talk about it here on the podcast because chances are I've come across something similar either in my own life or with clients that I see. And I think it's all about just creating this healing space in life because we're all really just trying to do our best every single day and 
if you're listening to this, that means you showed up today because you are alive. And sometimes that's what the healing journey looks like is just being alive, waking up alive the next day and remembering to be gentle and graceful with ourselves, showing ourselves grace because it really does look different every day. I mean, especially if you're a woman, because then we're talking about the cycle and how literally hormonally each day every everything is different and and just having grace and compassion for ourselves in these times and and I'm looking to create a group of like-minded people so that we can share and like I said just create a safe space so thank you so much for being here thank you for listening to me doing my very first podcast episode or long form piece of content ever. It's a very weird feeling to talk about myself this much and in chronological order nonetheless. So thanks for listening. And I look forward to showing back up here with a different cup of tea on a different day and just continuing to share this journey with you. I hope everybody has a beautiful day and I'm so proud of you for showing up. Thank you so much.